America WK with your host, Andrew WK. It's hard enough just to run your own life than to run everyone's life. And I don't think we should look to these leaders or a stereotypical leader to lead our lives. Ideally, they should protect the conditions which allow us to live freely. America WK, Saturdays, 10 a.m. to noon on the Blaze Radio Network. And go for Mike Slater in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Slater Crusaders, America's the greatest country in the world. San Diego's America's finest. Excuse me. On my show, I say San Diego's America's finest city. Sorry. Uh... Blaze, we just stop at America's the greatest country in the world. Uh, want to? Uh, we took a vote here in the studio. Uh, we're going to go with Michael Crichton first, and we'll do Bill Nye in the next hour. The president and the Pope were at the UN uh, talking about climate change, and I guess coming up soon, there's something like the Paris Agreement or something, and it's blah blah whatever. More global warming nonsense. So Michael Crichton. He is one of the most impressive people in the last 50 years, and I don't think he gets nearly enough credit for it. Michael Crichton is the only person to have the number one TV show, the number one movie, and the number one book in the country at the same time. Think about that. At the same time, he had Jurassic Park, number one movie, uh, Disclosure, the number one book, and ER, the number one uh, TV show. Crazy. He also went to uh, Harvard and Harvard Medical School. So an incredibly impressive person. He gave a speech at Caltech in 2003. He passed away uh, in 2008. Uh, he was yeah, 66, I think, from cancer. So again, bringing this up here, this speech now, uh, because of the, the Paris Agreement and a global it's a glo- you know what it is it's going to be another global warming agreement without the uh congress's authority he's going to treat it like the iran deal so all these global carbon regulations based off this just well you decide michael crichton this speech he is one of those global warming skeptics First point here, since when did skeptic become a dirty word in science, right? When did skeptic require quotation marks around it? That's an absurd concept. And then you also have the left saying there's a consensus. And if you're not a part of the consensus, then you're a skeptic. And Crichton's point, one of his main points, is that the track record of consensus in science is nothing to be proud of. Let's start with one of the greatest killers of women in human history, childbirth. There was a time in American in, in world history where one in six women died of fever during childbirth. One in six. In 1795, Alexander Gordon suggested that this fever had something to do with a bacterial infection. And the consensus said no. 1843, Oliver Wendell Holmes said it was a bacterial infection that caused the fever, and the consensus said no. 
1849, a, a German scientist or Austrian scientist, uh, Semmelweis, said that it was probably because of a bacterial infection. And the consensus was that he was a Jew. It took 125 years, 125, for consensus to arrive at the right conclusion about fever during childbirth. And in the end, it was the skeptics who were right. The ones who were demeaned and ignored. 125 years. That's a lot of women who died during childbirth whose lives could have been saved if the consensus listened to the skeptics. Another example. Take a look at a globe. You'll see that uh, South America and Africa seem to fit together quite nicely. Alfred Weniger proposed in 1912 that the continents used to be connected and then have since then uh, drifted apart. Well, that ridiculous theory was sneered at by all the great names of geology until 1961 when it began to seem like the seafloors were indeed spreading. So 50 years it took to acknowledge what, as, uh, as Crichton says, any school child can see that the continents fit together nicely and uh, were probably all connected at one point. It took 50 years for consensus to come around to that. I'll give you one of my own examples. I'm listening right now to a, um, uh, a college lecture on ancient Greece. And the professor said, if you walked into a leading university in the world in 1850, which is not too long ago, 150-ish years ago, walked into one of the leading universities in the world, and you said, Professor, Homer wrote about these different places in the Iliad and the Odyssey. Can you tell me where they are? Can you point to them on a map? And the professor would have said, oh, you, you silly child, those are just stories. Right? That's just poetry. That's just mythology. There, there's, these places don't exist. These aren't real places. That's cute of you, though, to think there are. And then a German businessman, Heinrich Schleimann, 1870. He never, he never even went to college. He didn't even have a university degree. He believed Homer. And he went out looking for Troy, the city of Troy. So he went to where he thought Troy might be, started digging, and sure enough, found Troy. And then he said, well, I found Troy. I'm going to go find Mycenae. And then he went and he found the city of Mycenae. Think about it. This was 150 years ago. For thousands of years, consensus was from the finest university scholars of, of, of ancient history and Greek history. The consensus was that these places didn't exist. And some guy found them. <laughs> and, then, and then consensus is like, oh, okay, fine, I guess that. So my point is consensus alone isn't an argument. And consensus indeed can be a very dangerous thing. And it has no place in science. It has no place. And I mean that, think about it. No one ever says, well, the uh, consensus of scientists agree that E equals MC squared. Like, no, no one talks like that. The consensus is that the sun is 93 million miles away from the earth. No, consensus is only used on situations where the science alone isn't solid enough. And climate change is one of those things. Consensus is only used when the person who's, who's using it doesn't have enough science to stand on alone. And he wants to silence you 
and demean you and call you a skeptic or even worse, a denier like a Holocaust denier. That's when someone uses the word consensus. It has no place in science. I want to make a few more points here in this hour, but I, I got to end uh, this segment on this note here. What do you think the world is going to look like in a hundred years? What's the world going to look like in a hundred years? Heck, what's the weather going to be tomorrow? Like, like, we have no idea. Do you know if you took someone in 1900, let's say you went back in time and you're talking to someone in 1900, 100 years ago, 115 years ago, and you asked them what the biggest problem was in the country, do you know what they'd say? Horse poop. Not even kidding. Horse poop. In the cities, you got around by horse. The more people there were, the more horses you need, and there was nowhere left to put the horse poop. I'm not even kidding. Scientists and, and city planners talked about the maximum size that cities could grow because there's only so many horses that you can have because there's we, we know where else to put the poop. So they said, well, New York City can only be 500,000 people. That's it. That's all the people we can have because that's all the horses we can have. And that's it. That's the maximum size of this city. And it wasn't a few years later when no one rode horses anymore, except for sport, of course. But that's it. No one, no one, like there were no more horses in New York City. Just a couple of years after they were worried that there'd be no more room for people. France currently gets 75% of its power from an energy source that did not exist in 1900. Nuclear power. People in 1900 didn't even know what an atom was. If I may quote from Michael Crichton, he says, people in 1900, they also didn't know what a radio was or an airport or a movie or a television or a computer or a cell phone or a jet or an antibiotic or a rocket or a satellite or an MRI, an ICU, an IUD, an IBM, IRA, ERA, EEG, EPA, IRS, DOD, PCP, HTML, internet, instant replay, remote sensing, remote control, speed dialing, gene therapy. Gene splicing, genes, spot welding, heat seeking, bipolar, Prozac, leotards, email, tape recorders, CDs, airbags, plastic explosives, plastics, robots, cars, liposuction, dish antennas, step aerobics, smoothies, 12-step, ultrasound, nylon, raylon, teflon, fiber optics, carpal tunnel, laser surgery, corneal transplant, kidney transplant, AIDS. None of these things would have made any sense to a person in the year 1900. Now. You tell me you can predict the world of 2100. Our president seems to think that he knows what the world will look like and should look like. And he's determined to make it so. Even if it's going to cost you trillions. And even if, as we've talked about many times on this show before, even if this obsession is going to deny the third world their industrial revolution, if we're going to deny the third world fossil fuels, which will result in abject poverty for them and also higher food prices, we're going to do it anyway, and we're going to do it all based on consensus. An absolute, incredible scam. 
Now, you may still not believe me. I want to give you an example of another scam. Next. A scam that was pitched to the American people not too long ago. The exact same script as climate change. The ex- I'm not talking about the global ice age. Even before that. The exact same. It's like a game of Mad Libs. You just change out the nouns and the verbs, but it's the exact same thing. To give you that example, next on the Mike Slater Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network.